Welcome to Storytime with Paul Doerr. This season of the podcast includes excerpts via live shows and in-studio recordings from my new book, I'm Leaving It, and other stories. Some of the stories are true and some are not. I'll let you figure it out. But they all hopefully have my trademark charm, wit, and profound wisdom. Purchase your copy of the entire book in paperback, ebook, or audiobook form at all major online booksellers. I also write a monthly newsletter that is both fun and insightful. To subscribe to the newsletter or for further information about the book, please visit pauldor.com. Today's story, The Accident. Sitting in the cab of the tow truck, I took a drag of a cigarette and coughed. Married, the tow truck driver asked. The only strength I had left was to shake my head. Divorced, he guessed. Another shake. Kids. My voice barely audible, I let out a coarse no. I tried the cigarette again coughed again, this time more of a hacking fit. The cigarette was supposed to be calming my nerves. What do you do? I wished he'd be quiet. I wished I had enough strength to tell him to shut up. I barely had enough strength in my normal life, let alone at this moment in time. I work in television, which I usually tell people I don't want to talk to. For some reason it always made an impression and bought me enough time to move on. We sat in the cab of the tow truck on the shoulder of a major highway, and there was no escaping. Remember the Hulk movie, he asked? Which one? At least I was thinking straight. This was a legitimate question. Not the old stuff, not that artsy one, and not those crappy Avenger movies. The one with, what's his name, the guy from that movie where they beat the hell out of each other. The movie with that other guy. There were two of them, and they beat each other up, you know. Fight Club. Right, the guy from Fight Club, not the one guy, the other guy. Edward Norton, I chimed in with a sigh. Yeah, that guy. They filmed that Hulk movie around here. I helped with some of the driving. Did you work on the Hulk movie? No. Did you see it? No. Funny how quickly your life could change in a matter of seconds. One second I was driving on a ramp to merge with a major highway. A few seconds later, I stood at the side of the road, my car much smaller than it had been. Early in the morning, still dark, I was driving to the airport for a work trip. Never was a fan of early flights, but at least getting to the airport was less of a pain. Making good time, I drove along one highway and took an exit to transition to another highway to the airport. Usually, I'm pretty good about keeping an eye in the area around me. Changed lanes into the left side to make it easier to merge. 
My guess was the truck in the right lane wanted over too, but there'd be plenty of room once we were on the highway. The truck driver didn't check his mirrors. It happened so fast. The truck clipped the side of my car. With that touch, the world went into a cliched sense of slow motion. A gentle nudge, barely felt, like if you were in bumper cars and someone touched you as they moved along. That nudge, along with the highway speed we were traveling, sent my car spinning across three lanes of traffic. Spun around once. Luckily it was morning and there was not a lot of traffic. Spun around twice. The steering wheel was no longer in my control. Spun around a third time. No traffic except for the large truck heading right towards me. When I saw the truck, I heard someone screaming. It took a moment to realize that that person screaming was me. The exact order might not be correct, but it happened something like this. As I spun around one last time, the truck hit me full speed from behind. The airbag was triggered, and since I was screaming out the side window looking at the truck, punched me on the right side of my head, making my neck snap backwards. The force of the truck hitting me from behind caused the car completely out of my control, to slam into the guardrail. And I stepped right out of the car. Stunned, I stared at what was left of it. The hood and the trunk were completely destroyed. Basically, the entire vehicle was smashed except for the front seats. The truck that initially clipped my car stopped in front, and the second truck stopped behind. The driver from the first truck arrived first. He looked in my car, looked at me, and said, You hit me! I couldn't speak yet. I saw it, he continued. You hit me first. Then he returned to his truck and sped away. The first on the scene wasn't the police or an ambulance. It was the tow truck. They ride along the highways with radios equipped to hear police reports of accidents. The tow truck driver would be the most compassionate person throughout this process. He looked at the car and said, Don't worry, insurance will cover it. You been drinking? My brains had been scrambled. I was almost killed and he's now implying I was drinking at five in the morning? All I could do was shake my head. Even that hurt. The ambulance was the second to arrive, but they didn't stay long. Did more of a drive-by. They slowed down, and a paramedic stuck his head out the window, surveyed the scene. Everyone looks all right here, he said, and they drove off. The tow truck driver led me to his cab, and we sat in silence until he said, We've got to wait for the cops. Mind if I smoke? I shook my head. He took a cigarette from his pack and offered me one. My hand shook as I tried to light it. He took the lighter from me and lit it himself. Then the bit about the Hulk movie. The police arrived and the first thing he asked was the drinking question again, but phrased it differently. Have you been out all night drinking? Listen, I understand that they were asking these questions because people must drink and drive a lot still. However, unless you're obviously drunk, couldn't we lay off the victim blaming? He asked me a few basic questions about what happened, and he went to check the car. He was gone for what seemed like a long time. Okay, he said. I see marks along the side of your car that are consistent with your story. You said the other truck driver fled. Did you remember what kind of truck it was? I shook my head. No, but he said it was my fault. Yeah, you are in shock. He probably stopped to make sure no one was dead. That's comforting, I said. You'd be surprised how many people hit and run, he said. You're not going to find him. Chances are unlikely, but I'm putting it into the report that you're not at fault. 
The truck driver yelped. That means the insurance company is on your side. The policeman gave me a copy of the report and left. We hitched my car and drove to the garage. The tow truck driver gave me the license plates from my car and explained that a rental vehicle arranged through my insurance company was on the way. He gave me some water and told me to sit down in the lounge area. I knew a friend of mine got up very early in the morning and I needed to connect with someone. I sent her a message asking if she was awake. She responded right away and I told her I was in an accident. She asked if I wanted to talk about it or did I want a distraction. Distraction. She went into detail about the television show she watched last night. The phone call to my mom was when I broke down. After getting into an accident and calling a loved one at an unusual hour, never start with, the first thing is, I'm okay. Something in her voice broke open the floodgates of all the emotions I had stuffed down. A mess, I went into the washroom and steadied myself. I avoided the mirror because I didn't want to see my eyes. Didn't want to see in my reflection how my life had changed in the span of a few minutes. My rental car arrived, not a car, but a huge SUV. The kind of SUV that I scoffed at when people drove these tanks around downtown. The car rental guy shrugged and said, it's all we had left. After pulling out of the parking lot, I stopped a block later. This was insane. I just got hit by two trucks on the highway, and now I was given a rental car and expected to drive home alone. I steadied myself some more and drove through rush hour in the most cautious way possible. Commuters were not happy with me or my giant SUV. At home, all I wanted to do was go to sleep. After being on the phone for too long with the insurance company, I finally made it upstairs to my bed. Something from the deep recess of my brain screamed, Get up. My eyes snapped open and I remembered a first aid course I took years ago. Most of the information was forgotten except for one instruction. If you suspect someone of having a concussion, don't let them fall asleep. Even though the paramedics thought everyone at the scene looked okay, I really should get checked out by a doctor. Up out of bed and walked down the street to a walk-in clinic. Something must have been wrong because I was whisked in almost right away. So you were just in a car accident, the doctor asked. I nodded. This sounded like a very serious accident. I nodded. Did an ambulance come by? I nodded. They didn't take you to a hospital? Her questions were getting difficult to answer, but I continued best I could. Finally, she asked, Do you always talk like this? Like what? I asked. You're slurring, searching for words, and seem confused at times. What was she talking about? I wasn't slurring or searching or confused. You've suffered a major concussion, so that is normal. You also experienced whiplash, pulled your lower back, and sprained your wrist. Are you married? Why did people keep asking me that? You can sleep, but you need someone to wake you up every few hours. I limped home and crawled into bed. I told a few friends that I would send them a message every couple of hours. If they didn't hear from me, they were to presume I was dead. This joke didn't go over so well. Over the next few weeks, I didn't do much of anything. Concussions are still very much a mystery, and people suffer all kinds of symptoms. Mine consisted of the inability to parse out information. 
When we go out into the world, there are a million little pieces of information flying at us. Over one day, the average person encounters over 100,000 bits of digital words. That's a lot of words. So, your brain is parsing out what is important and what's not. For example, if I was sitting in a restaurant, there's the clatter of utensils, music playing, chatter from other tables, and so on. All that information is still there, but my brain tunes it out so I can focus on the person sitting with me at my table. No parsing for me. When I would go outside with all that information coming at me, I'd get two hours tops and be exhausted. Some people with concussions suffer from light dysphoria. Having to wear sunglasses inside and even at night in limited exposure to computer screens and smartphones. This wasn't such a problem for me, so I sat around watching a lot of television. I became obsessed with private detective shows, which, in this day and age of television, there was no shortage of. I started noticing some patterns in these shows. Most of them were about middle-aged white men suffering from a midlife crisis. Sometimes the storyline incorporated an alcohol or drug problem, but not always. Most of the time, they were a big city cop who had just moved to a small town. They were the best detective the city had seen, but they crossed a line, got into trouble, and usually ended up depressed. The small town an attempt to run from their problems, but their problems seemed to find them everywhere. As it often played out, murders or other violent crimes started right around the time the big city cop arrived. Of course, these crimes reminded him of his past mistakes. Small towns are also strange places. Weird sex and violence seemed rampant. The locals were suspicious of the big city cops, and they should be, as he uncovers all their dirty laundry. Also, cell phone reception sucks out in the sticks. As I sat on my couch watching these depressive shows, I was unknowingly, or more accurately knowingly, falling into my own depression. It didn't help to expose myself to these dark and violent shows deep into the night. I developed an unhealthy relationship with food. Instead of stuffing my gullet to help my brain, I was feeding it a constant stream of comfort food. After all, I was recovering from a major accident, so I decided to go easy on myself. But there was going easy, and there was being irresponsible. It feels a little strange to be talking about my eating compulsion. I'm not what you would refer to as overweight. However, I'll slam just about anything into my mouth. That is, anything with meat and salt, and that is generally terrible for me. Processed food? It's easier to make. Chips? Why, yes. At midnight? Why not? All this sitting around and eating was starting to show on my waistline. When I gained weight, it all went to my belly, which was extending. This extending caused me to stand differently with my back at an angle. This angle started causing extreme back pain. This pain kept me on the couch. I was getting caught in a loop. Sit around, eat, sit around more, eat, repeat. Each day I had less motivation to do anything. Physiotherapy sessions were ongoing, and acupuncture needles were stuck all along my body. My physiotherapist kept repeating that I needed to eat better and even try some exercise. I nodded a lot and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical exhaustion was also due to a lack of sleep. Whenever I closed my eyes, I was back in that car, spinning around. The truck, the screaming, 
Immediately after an experience such as a car accident, the brain formed memories attached to the trauma and liked to replay them for you at odd times. Within five hours, those memories are pretty much fixed or took a lot of time to untangle. I became scared of silence and darkness. Another symptom I had was the stuttering and searching for words. You know that feeling when you can see the word in your head? You know what you want to say, but you just can't remember? That kept happening all the time. A few weeks after the accident, I scheduled an interview for my podcast. The guest didn't know about the accident, and I was scared to death that I wouldn't be able to talk properly. I wanted to get back to my life. When recording, I wore headphones, and so my voice got piped into my ears exactly as it sounded. Then a most bizarre thing happened. As soon as I hit record and the interview started, the stutter and searching for words went away. I sounded like my old self. I remembered how, when some people with a stutter sang along to music, it took their mind off their voice and the stutter disappeared. I tried one other experiment. A month after the accident, I had a show where I was to stand up in front of an audience and present a story. I have a certain base level of anxiety over speaking in front of people anyway, so the stutter did nothing but add to it. The same thing happened. No stutter, no searching for words. Enough distractions were going on in my head during these times and not enough room for anything else. I couldn't always be either in a state of performing in front of people or doing podcast interviews. Very slowly, the stuttering and searching for words went away. Slowly. At my second appointment with a neurologist, he told me I checked out. No MRI, because I was getting better with each appointment. He wasn't worried, so neither was I. He told me to take fish oil and meditate. Two deeper problems were triggered after this last visit to the neurologist. First, he told me I could drink alcohol, in moderation. Second, the voice in my head came back with a vengeance. Thank you for listening. Again, if you'd like to purchase a copy of I'm Leaving It or any of my other books, they are available at most online booksellers. The live performances were originally performed and recorded at the monthly storytelling event, Stories We Don't Tell. To learn more about Stories We Don't Tell, head over to storieswedonttell.org. For everything else, please visit halldoor.com.